Hi everyone, this week I've been chatting with Derek Henderson via Skype from Sydney, so apologies for the sound, but you get used to it as it goes on. Uh, I first heard of Derek when I interviewed Joe Kelly for this podcast, and Joe said Derek had been a big inspiration and influence on him. Then Derek made his recent book, Circadian Rhythm, with Precinct 35, which is just around the corner from my studio, and Bad News Books in Wellington, and we arranged to do a podcast interview at some point. Derek's had an amazing commercial career, jetting off around the world for likes of Vogue. It's the type of advertising and editorial career that any young photographer would dream of. He punctuates his commercial work with personal projects that are sometimes turned into books. When the interview starts, he's just come off the phone about photographing Hugh Jackman in a new advert and talks about how he carved out his style as a photographer and how he works uh, between commercial work and personal projects. I'm enjoying the connections that come up talking to photographers. Hey, it's New Zealand, so there's only ever one or two degrees of separation. And it only occurred to me after that the Mercy Mercer book that has much in common has much in common with David Cook, um, who I also interviewed on this podcast and his work, um, River Road Journeys Through Ecology. It's short and sweet and well worth a listen. Thanks. Here we go. Bye. I had to have a call this morning with. Uh... And a big ad agency in Melbourne that I've worked for before and, you know, done beautiful shoots for and the creatives are really interesting and they have great ideas and they commissioned me to do the pictures I would do anyway. And this is one for, it's like for R.M. Williams and it's it's shooting like Hugh Jackman, you know, on a theatre, on a stage, you know, that they're going to do a TV commercial and then there's a whole stills campaign that goes with it. And, you know, it's just... Um, the amount of hoops you sort of jump through to get these jobs is quite interesting in the process, and it's a real, it's it's a real understanding of that process and how many people. And you know, this is just my day-to-day kind of life. You know, like I, this is what this is how I make a living, and, and it, well, that's kind of what I enjoy doing is is the process and being involved in the in the creative process and and having to work within a margin that's quite tight and and still being creative within that. In that within the brief, you know, that's that's the skill, you know, and I think that's applied to my personal work as well. On the odds, more um, above the line job I've done, I found it almost harrowing that there's so many people that when it comes to actually taking the picture, you think, how can I, how can I got have the space to be myself and do something creative? Because there's so many people looking at me on my back and suggesting no, that's, things. That's the skill. That is the skill. Is is like. Yeah, retaining some of that creativity and your vision, um, and you know, it, it's it's a rule in life. You know, life's a compromise. You know, on, on always it's not just creativity, but in your relationships with other people, and you know, understanding that is, of, I think, is of the utmost importance as a photographer and, and as being a human being. You yeah, know? yeah, that's it. I, yeah. I, always, I always think I'll do I'll do that shoot for you, shot for you. But then I still remember that the one I really want for me is this one over here. <laughs> and more often than not, the one that you want to do yeah. is the one they want when they see the results. Yeah. You know, because you'll send them in and they'll go, oh, look at that, that's fantastic. And of course you want to go, you fucking idiots. That is the one I told you that you wanted. <laughs> you were like, no. But that's it. That's that's the skill as well, you know. Yeah. So, so when I talk to, do you know David Cook, the photographer in, in I Wellington? Do. I yeah. do. I met him, I met him in, uh, at the Waikato University at the Institute where he used to teach uh, down there. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know him pretty well, actually. Yeah. 
Nice he's, man. He's, he's such a nice man, and he he when I gave him did a little interview with him a few months back, he just gave such a nice opening line about um, how he didn't find photography, but photography found him. So I was just yeah. I was just wondering, you know, where it started for you. Where was that little um, beginning? Probably the same thing. I never, I wasn't interested in, uh, I didn't realize I was interested in creativity at all at school. You know, I come from a, you know, a real working class family in Hawke's Bay and, you know, my aspiration was probably to be a plumber to leave school and, um, kind of, you know, just have a trade. I, ne- I never ever thought about being creative. I didn't think anybody was creative. Um, you know, just hadn't entered my, um, hemisphere, you know, like anything at all. Um, and then, so I, I worked, I actually worked in a bank and I had a scholarship from the bank to go to university to pay for my business studies. And I realized after about a year that this wasn't, this wasn't going to work. And one of the customers that used to come into the bank, cause I was a, a, a you know, one of the bank, um, I don't know, assistants or whatever, you know, looking after ledgers, I think they called it at the time. And he was a photographer and I thought he was quite flamboyant and cool. And I thought, I kind of like this guy, and I saw his bank balance. I was, I was privy to the bank balance, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, come on, maybe there's something in this." And um, I got chatting to him, and he said, "Well, when you go on holiday, he'd buy a decent camera, go and take some pictures, and bring them back and show and show me them." And I did, and he thought he said, "Yeah, you've got an eye." And then I thought, "Okay," and so I started working for him on the weekends, doing wedding photos, and I started making more money on the weekend than I did working for the bank. So eventually I quit and got a job as an assistant for an advertising photographer called John Daly in Auckland. And and that was it. That's where it started. Yeah. I always I always love those stories because they're so just chance, aren't they? You kind of always think someone's so, career is so organized and intentional yeah. and there's always this little inkling of yeah. how it it's starts. It's just like you take that one path that leads it one way, yeah. you could have gone really easily, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, yeah, chances are... So how did you, I mean, your commercial career is quite staggering, really, especially when I spent an hour on the internet just looking at you. How did you start, you know, eking that out? Well, I, I mean, I have a very good agent that has an office in, in New York, London, and Sydney, and I have a great relationship with them, and I've probably been with them now for like 11 years, 12 years. And I mean, that is the basis of my commercial career in that I, because I'm with them and they're, they're, um, the photographers that are with them, are, they, they are, you know, world-renowned fashion, editorial, you know, advertising photographers. Um, and they have access to, you know, the people in those places and you know so I because I'm with them I'm basically a part of that group where those people get they commission photographers so that's a big part of it if I didn't have that representation I wouldn't have that so I can be based in Australia Sydney I could even be based in New Zealand or Spain it doesn't matter it's so global now that all they care about at the end of the photography where I'm working with, which is getting towards the sort of pointy end of it, which when I mean that, I mean like working for publishers like Condé Nast and working for people like Frank Duran and, um, you know, Marie uh, Amelie at Holiday Magazine and Mastermind, these magazines, these editorial magazines, that in the world that I work in and live in, 
they have a lot of um, credibility. And it's a very small elite kind of world of a small group of people. And we all, it's all fairly, you, you know, everybody knows everyone. And once you start working for one of them, someone else notices you and, and then the ball starts sort of rolling like that. So it's having, the connections are really important. The, the whole, um, I mean, I was, I was looking at your Instagram feed and the, the whole kind of almost, what would you call them, micro-magazines that have that really high-end yeah. readership. Um, is that a new thing? That, it was quite a... It was well, it's only like recently in the last couple of years, but it's incredibly powerful because I know I get commissioned by creative directors and they will just look at my Instagram feed because I think because they're, you know, they're, they're busy people like we all are and they just want access to what you do, your mind, your creativity, and what pictures you can take. And you can now see that on Instagram. You know, you can you can look at you can punch the picture you want to see. You can bring it up. You can see the detail on it. You can see the quality of it. You can see the light, the form, whatever. Um, and they can also see. Well, in my case, I sort of mix it a little bit with my family life, just to sort of just because I have other people that follow me that are just looking to see my kids because they're my friends. They're, you know, I know them. And I want to look at their Instagram feeds as well because it—I think it's an incredible tool, and it's—and it's actually made it a lot easier for me as a photographer who lives in the southern hemisphere that I can be employed by the northern hemisphere. You, Twenty years ago, you had to be there. Ten years ago, you had to be there. Not—not not anymore. It, I think it's changed, and I think it's better probably for the younger generation because they can do that. You know, as long as they have the contacts in those places, you know, people on the ground in New York, in Paris, London, you know. But then I guess at the same time, that must only be for the, that elite crop of photographers who, yeah, who you got, someone wants to commission and pay to fly over to Los Angeles or wherever to do it. Yeah, well, for saying that, you know, they have a budget and, you know, a lot of the time for the editorial, you know, the budget doesn't cost me, doesn't, doesn't pay for me to, to, you know, to get there. I've got to get there. But that's not the point. The point is having something in British Vogue, you know, um, you know, I'll fly anywhere in the world to shoot something for them. Because at the moment, they're the hottest Vogue magazine, you know. And if you're in there, then you're going to get, want to get commissioned. You know, people are going to commission you from all around the world. And it'll be for advertising. And they do have the budget. So it's that old saying. You got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Look, and they, they have budgets. You know, it hardly ever costs me anything. But you know, and and it's also about saying yes. You know, going when when they make that thing and say, look, would you go and shoot um, a house in Florida for us? Um, I'm like, yeah, I'll get on the plane tomorrow. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, and deliver the the results. You know. So how does it work? How do you um, you know decide when you're going to go out and do a art-based projects, another book, etc. You know, I'm thinking of Circadian Rhythm, which is why I sort of met you and everything. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think, is that is that a bit like doing the editorial work where you're doing something to push yourself forward as a commercial yeah. photographer, or is it very split? Do you see it very much as, you know, your own? I don't, I don't see it split anymore. I think I get commissioned now to do the pictures I do, which is ultimately what you want, the position I think that I want to be in, yeah. is that they're looking at my personal work and they're looking at my commercial work and they're going, it's insane. We'll just get them to do a, a Derek Henderson picture. Well, yeah. you know, whatever that is, apply that to, apply your aesthetic 
yeah. to whatever it is. And that's that's what I do now. I try and free myself up and you know, even on commercial projects, I'm always like, look, I think it looks good here, we should do it like this. Uh, this feels right. And I'm at that position, I think, in my career where people listen and the people that employ me listen because they know, you know, they've been around long enough to know. And, and also, I'm, you know, yeah, with the circadian rhythm, actually, it came about because I was commissioned by a client to do a job. And I thought, okay. And a lot of my jobs, I go on my own. I don't have an assistant. And they are about the environment or places or architecture in a way. So I, I just get in the car and drive. You know, I go, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. And I know that you need these kinds of pictures, which are my kind of pictures. I, I just shot. And I wasn't even thinking, this is for them, this is for me. It's just, I'm going to shoot for two weeks. It's really broad. Anything that takes my interest is, is, is in it, I'm going to take a picture of, yeah. you know. Like for me, you know, I like, I like that kind of that simple observation, I think is, is quite powerful. It's clearer, it's not full of ideas, it's not watered down. You know, ideas can be dangerous, you know, like a lot of, a lot of artists get conceptual ideas and sometimes that falls over, you know, because it's like you're carrying around a bit of garbage and you're saying, well, this is my thesis and this is what I know and this is what I'm saying. That can be very powerful, but also I think the power of photography is observation. Um, and the less you think about it in some ways, the more powerful the image can actually be, you know, because it's very intuitive and... And yeah, you know, it's not pretending you know what's what's going on. Yeah, you've had time to look back, you know. It's a learning process. Yeah, at, at circadian rhythm. Um, it's it's interesting that you say that was its inception from a commercial aspect as well, because it feels really nostalgic, you know. And I, I kind of get this impression of someone who used to live in New Zealand, going over his old stomping ground and. Um, you know, it feels a bit nostalgia, and there's well, there's lots going on yeah, really. Because there's also an element of I don't it, know. It feels like it's, it's almost a dark undercurrent. <laughs> yeah, well, New Zealand for me has a dark undercurrent. It's like a long, thin island in the South Pacific, and it goes from very deep ocean to a very steep, dark bush. You know, like it is. It's a, it's a spooky. It is a spooky place, and. Yeah, the thing about my pictures, I think, is that you can't quite tell what's going to happen or something has happened. You know, like it's on the edge of the pictures or the outside of the picture is is sort of just as important as what's inside the inside the picture. They're ambiguous. You know, like is this a is this a great place or is this a yeah. terrible place? Yeah. And I don't do that on purpose. That just happens. Yeah. You know, and it's and I'm not kind of sure why but um that that's just that is just the way it is and hopefully that you know that is conveyed in the pictures to the viewer you know i i'm not trying to tell you how life should be or or that i know about what it should be it's 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 fairly intuitive you know it's um, i leave it up to the viewer and interesting that you you've selected more spaces rather than people in the book i think there's one portrait that kind of jumps out when you're flicking through it. But um, whereas other projects of yours like Mercy Mercer and everything, you've, you've had more people in. 
is that just again a very spontaneous um, yeah. you know, re- reacting to what's in front of you? It, it is. It's not. A bit, if I'm going to take pictures of people, it's more of a conscious effort, you know. And it's and I find it harder because you have to you have to you have to put a lot more of your energy and time into taking a picture because it's it's difficult to get pictures of people. For that, for that reason, you know, you do you do have to spend a lot of time with them, and it, and it takes a lot of energy from me to do it. So often I'll do a picture of someone, and it, it makes me quite emotionally quite tired. Um, so sometimes I steer away from it, you know, not not purposefully, but I'll just be do what you know. Like I know if I get involved, it's it's quite a process. Sometimes, sometimes it's not that one picture of of that young man in circadian rhythm. I mean, I literally took, that's just one frame, and I probably spent 20 minutes with him, you know. I mean, I got in and out of there, you know, unscathed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, like I turn away sometimes from that for the solace of a landscape, you know, which tends to just give. I don't really have to give a lot to it. It just gives yeah. back to me emotionally, intellectually, yeah, and is that anything also yeah. to do with you know as a your day to day commercial job, shooting lots of fashion and people? I wonder whether it was almost a relief to be in the countryside and not have to direct people. To... Yeah, I would say I get a bit sick of it. Yeah, because <laughs> it is. It's not that I get. I suppose that's the wrong word. It's just like I said. It, it, it is. It's hard. It's hard work. You know, like you, you've got to give away a lot of your of yourself to 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 get something, I think, from someone, you know, like, you've got to be prepared, because they've put themselves in front of the camera, and, and I know for a lot of people, it's quite a daunting experience, you know, but, um, yeah, I, look, yeah, I like mixing it up a bit, I suppose, I do like the solace of just driving around by myself, and, and looking, and just making observations, um, a lot, a lot of the time, just looking at light, you know, and form, and, and, and I get, I get quite a, I feel quite comfortable being in doing that. Yeah. I enjoy that. As one of the form, um, you know, popping out when you're considering what to take the photo of with circadian rhythm, um, colour seems really relevant as well. There's such so many bursts of colour all over the page, and I wondered whether that was something very intentional or yeah. that's just become your signature kind of style yeah, as well. Yeah. Oh no! It's it's it, it probably it's probably more subconscious, but in that way, it is intentional. You know, I'm just drawn more and more to to shapes and colours and light. I suppose in a weird way, the subject matter sometimes doesn't interest me at all. So that's where you're taking a picture and you're making something that it, it's no longer representational of the object. You know, it's more about the form. You know, yeah. it's it's simplifying things. It's breaking them down to form, light, and color. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose that's developed through time. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting looking at your um, commercial work. How it's quite broad. I mean, some people get pigeonholed so much, but you seem to get commissioned doing a fashion shoot or a still life or something with an architectural edge. You know, can you explain how you've maintained such a enjoyably broad um, career? 
Well, I think what happens is if you if you come from, say, um, a background of New Zealand as a photographer, as a commercial photographer, to be to survive and make enough <laughs> of a living, um, you had to be you had to be fairly you know um, uh, adaptable. You know, you had to one day shoot a wine bottle for for you know for a for a liquor company. The next day you had to shoot you know a girl in a dress. Um, the next day you had to do a landscape, you had to do a corporate, um, uh, you know, job. Like, so you, you just learn, you just yeah. learn to be diverse. And whereas I think in other places, you know, like in North America or Europe or whatever, you could specialize because there was more work. Yeah. And so they looked for that specialist. Yeah. So in a way that, that happened to me early in New Zealand. And then when I moved to the UK and lived over there, it still was with me, you know, like, so, I enjoy doing a still life photograph. I very much enjoy it, you know. Um, and I and I enjoy doing some architectural photography. And I enjoy doing landscapes. And I enjoy doing portraits. And I enjoy doing fashion. So I'm a bit lucky that it started early. And I can apply all of those things to, to what I do. And I think people know that. So, you know, that, that works for me, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And what photographers are you kind of noticing at the moment, you know, on the on the up, whether it's in the art field or commercial field? Um, I do. I Probably one of my favourite photographers, Thomas Demand, oh, yeah. just because um, how he constructs those sets and then photographs them and, and they're of, you know, he's referencing historical, uh, you know, moments in time. And I just, there's so many layers to it that conceptually I, I think he's very clever, but but also the end result was so beautifully executed and so well composed with light, form, again, you know, colour, yeah. that I'm just, every time I see his pictures, I'm just like, fuck, that guy's off yeah. the hook. I think he's he's probably my favourite photographer, yeah. And then, you know, like, in, in the, you know, there's, there's lots of other, you know, I, I look at a lot of photography, um, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of what's going on and, in contemporary and historical terms, but also in painting and sculpture and, you know, performance art and everything. I, you know, I, I like, that's what I like looking at. So, you know, I, I, I do look at a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I'm looking at a lot of stuff is good in one way, but you've got to just be careful. It doesn't overly influence your work. But I think at my, and where I am right now, that's all right. But maybe, you know, a few years ago, it's very easy to kind of, be too influenced by other people's work. <laughs> I always think it's nice to, to drop a bit in here and there where you might you might realise yourself a connection between something you've shot and something you've seen six months ago that you might not realise at first, but then it kind of clicks in that, oh, maybe that's why I did that. Yeah, I'm sure that happens all the time, you know, because it's just human, isn't it? You, yeah. you, you know, you, we're, like, we're like, you know, a giant sponge. You just, you know... <laughs> I just have to watch my children to realise that, you know. They take it all in, they take it all in. Somehow, you know, it's like a filter and it gets spat out, you know. So you are, you are, you know. And look, I don't think there's anything wrong with being aware with contemporary culture. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we are, that's what we do. I think that's what artists, good artists do is reflect on contemporary life. Yeah. Know. And is there another book in the pipeline? I noticed on Instagram you mentioned something about um, Milk Round or something. Um, I've got a couple of projects I'm working on. One, one's on um, 
on uh, on homes, people's homes, um, and I call them homes rather than houses because you know a home is where people um, you know it's 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 really important to them. I think you know it's part of their who they are and in the community and and they feel comfortable there and safe there and they bring their children up there or do whatever they do there and they're quite sort of I'm, I'm sort of more aiming more towards sort of more humble abodes in New Zealand. And, and the pictures are probably quite repetitious in that they're taken, you know, in front of the house at the same same place, and I'm trying to put them on the page the same scale. So if you looked at the book, at the images correlated in the book, they'd almost look quite similar, but that's on purpose, you know, because I want you to then look at the details and see, look, people do things to their homes to make them, to yeah. personalise them. And just little things, whether it's something in the garden or their letterbox or, or, or there's something left on the front lawn that tells you about those people without actually seeing them. And, and, and that they're proud of their, their, their homes, you know. So I'm working on that. Um, I'm sort of working on a more, it's early days, a more abstracted kind of um, pictures where they in a grid formation where I, I, I don't quite. I'm, I'm about to go off to the South Island soon to, to have a crack at an execution, but I've honestly been thinking about it for a couple of years, and it's, it's the first time I'm going to go and try and do that. Um, but that that's more about that's really more about form and a and a line. Like I'm, I'm sort of into this whole thing about a line that travels through, you know, a, a rectangular frame. I'm just kind of really interested in that at the moment. So that would probably be. You know, a line of a, a hill or a mountain or a rock or a shape cutting through the sky, and then sort of deconstructing that picture and putting it back into a grid and shifting some of them around so that you've moved them where they should be. They've, they've shifted, so it could be a grid pattern of 20. And I shift a couple of them around, you know, I change the landscape, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. And then, yeah, I've got, I've, there's, I always have three or four sort of ideas. That I'm, I'm working on, but they might take three or four years to come to fruition, you know. Yeah. So, but I don't worry about that. Does the line become continuous throughout the grid, then, be it the hill or the rock or whatever it is, the line just maintains its its flow. Well, I just I disjoin that line, like so in the grid, it might go from one corner to the other. Yeah. But then I might spin the next frame out, so it breaks that line. Yeah. But it all is about this line that runs through these these bits in the in the thing, you know. And possibly I'll put them, I'll mount them onto light boxes because now there's this technology where there's these beautiful thin light boxes, and you know I could I could get a a light box that's a meter by 800, which is the perfect format for an 8x10 or a 4x5 camera. And I could I could make an image, you know, that's five of those long by four down. And so it would be an image that would be something like 3.6 meters by 4.2 meters, you know, a single image. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking that's kind of what I'd like what I'd like to do. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. Sounds really nice. But who knows? Well, that's good. That's I think I'll say. Yeah, it would be. I think, I think it would look nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble. We have to kind of add on to the price of selling it when you've spent God knows how many thousands creating it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, in a way, I'm fortunate because you know I make my money as a commercial photographer. 
So I can I can reinvest some of that money into into my sort of fine art work. Whereas a lot of artists, um, they probably have to apply for grants and things like that. I don't you know I don't do that because my grant comes from you know doing the job for uh, Clemenges or something, which is fine. <laughs> 